The fishing industry's feeling the very heavy burden of empty nets last year. Overall, coastal fisheries went under 1 million tonnes for the first time in 44 years, taking a toll on over 50,000 fishing households as well as consumers who obviously felt that rising price. According to a report from World Bank, this is a global phenomenon estimated to cost billions of dollars due to overfishing and over-exploitation. Dr Charlotte DeFantobert, author of Sunken Billions Revisited for World Bank Group, joins us now on the line. Thank you very much for taking the time. Pleasure to be with you. So, um, what's the key finding here of the report? So, I think what we tried to do is we understood that there was a problem, but we tried to quantify it in uh, a figure that will be understandable to all. So what we found is that every year, what we call the sunken billions, which is the foregone economic benefits, amounts to more than $80 billion. And that's money that could have been made from sustainable fisheries, but that is wasted or lost or foregone because we're not actually um, fishing effectively and sustainably. How can this weak global fisheries performance take its toll though uh can you spell that out for us on on fishermen but also on the economies built locally sure that's a very good question i think you know what it's, it's important let's think about the first people who are the forefront of the issue and that are fishermen and fisherwomen who have to go out every day and try and eat a living out of a uh, industry that's more and more competitive to put it very simply basically fishermen have to go further they have to go longer they have to go out when the conditions are not safe or in order to recoup a little bit of their investment and they have to go fishing even when it doesn't make sense just to make the minimum that they can live on and what's the effect on prices when supplies cut demand naturally forces prices up usually but uh, a lot of people yeah. rely on fish consumption anyway uh, so, so does that just mean that some people get cut off at the lower end of the earning scale well actually the, the, the situation is complex but I, I like the way you asked the question on the um, so if you think about sort of semi-industrialized or industrialized fishing uh, yes we all know that when we go to the supermarket the fish is becoming more and more expensive Unfortunately, it doesn't mean that the fishermen are making more and more money. It means often that the middlemen are charging more. Now, you've asked a very important question, which is what's happening to everyone who depends on fish for animal protein, for food security. And here the pinch is felt even probably um, harder in that those fishermen actually do not have any options. They don't have any alternatives. They can't have other economic activities that they could undertake. And often when the family's survival depends on their activities, if you have too many boats chasing too few fish, the fishermen are working harder and harder, but not necessarily catching more or bringing more back to their families. Going back a couple of years, we, we actually went over to the EC and did a feature with fishermen who were really struggling and some of them blamed climate conditions others and in fact many of them blamed Russian fishermen for the problems they were facing and just not getting the same catch that they once enjoyed uh, I mean maybe we can deal with the first of those climate change, how big a factor is that? 
It's actually very, very real. And unfortunately, it's going to get worse. If you think about the impacts of climate change on fisheries, it's not just that the temperatures are increasing. It's not just that the sea levels are rising. It's also, for instance, the fisheries, the fact that acidification is increasing. There's more carbon in the water and the um, waters become more acidic. And also that uh, the current patterns change. So all this leads to some major shifts um, in where the fish are found and how easy it is for the fishermen to catch them. So that's a very real issue. Unfortunately, it's going to get worse um, before things get better. So there's something that we need to take into account, which, if anything, tells us we should be doubly cautious about the overfishing. Now, it's, it's easy to point the finger and say, you know what, it's the Russians, it's such and such fleet. At the end of the day, this report shows that the overcapacity, where we're looking at what would be ideal, would be a reduction in global capacity by 44% of the whole total global capacity. So if you think about it, it's not just a single country, or it's not just a phenomenon such as climate change. It's basically that we all have our share of things that we could do to improve the situation. And as far as those clashes that we see a concern, Russia was one point of contention, but we hear a lot more in the current affairs arena about Chinese fishermen illegally operating, not just in Korean waters, but we have these exclusive economic zones laid out, and not everybody mm-hmm. seems to respect them. How's the best way to deal with it? Right, and that's definitely an issue of importance for Asia. There's a problem with jurisdiction, like you've rightly pointed out, with exclusive economic zones. Um, In terms of what the solution is, I think, again, once again, the important thing is, rather than point finger, acknowledge that everybody has um, a share in the responsibilities of what's happening. In terms of the legal aspects, honestly, the areas that are under dispute are a tiny proportion of the areas being fished. So we can't say that overfishing is because of conflicts of jurisdiction. Those do contribute to the problem, but they're not the problem. I think that's what's important to remember is that we have way, way, way too many boats chasing too few fish. So I think an important question is what is driving this phenomenon that basically drives the fishing industry to develop and increase to the point where it's catching too many fish and it's actually depleting a natural resource which would otherwise be sustainable and renewable can you also then go out for us on this issue of reform reform of fisheries to restore marine stocks as best as possible your advice for local governments here and the central government even that may be interested Sure. I'd like to start with good news. Um, Remember when I started uh, the answer to your question, like my first response was, we're wasting more than $80 billion a year to overfishing. That's that's something that we can hang our hats on. It's something we can all understand. Let me give you another figure. What we've shown with a very strict and verifiable economic model is that by reducing capacity by 44%, fishing effort, if you will, by 44%, the first thing that would happen is if we didn't catch a little bit like crazy like we're catching right now, the first thing that would happen is the biomass, the global biomass, the number of fish all over the world would increase by a factor of 2.7. 
so that even if we were to fish much, much less, almost half as much as we do, there will be so many fish in the sea from this break in overfishing, if you will, that we would actually catch more. So I think that's a very important lesson of, of, of the report. Let's catch less, but let's catch better, and we will actually catch more. I know it sounds a little bit contradictory, but let's fish less, and we can catch more. And very importantly, this report shows that by fishing less, by reducing the level of fishing effort, we can actually land more fish. And we know that the, the demand for fish is increasing. Population, global population is increasing. So fish has a greater role to play in terms of food security. And what this report shows is that by fishing less, we can actually provide more fish for people who need, who need it sorely. There will no doubt be some local resistance, though, whether that's from local fishermen or, or lobby groups that have that vested interest. Are there tried and tested methods for, for dealing with those and overcoming that sort of pressure? So, that's, again, that's a very good question. And, and the way we handle this is we're actually not prescriptive in saying what should happen or how it should happen. What we do know is that, again, there's too many boats catching too few fish. So we do know we need to reduce the number. Now, what, what, what's very important to understand is that the national response to this report is going to be specific to each country. And here we really do not presume to tell any country what to do because different countries are going to have different approaches, particularly like you just asked, how they are going to respond to these concerns of fishermen. We have to, I think at the end of the day, we have to understand that no fisherman sets out to overfish. Nobody gets out in the morning and thinks, right, how am I going to destroy that resource I depend upon? So obviously, there's, like you said, there's very strong forces that are being born to bear here. And we leave it basically to the governments to decide what kind of approach they want to take. But it is true that, and, and we, we quantify this in the report very strictly, what we're trying to show basically is that, yes, there will be some short-term costs, which may be tremendous and that need to be accompanied by strong social measures to accompany the fishermen that are being asked to fish less. But those costs are actually dwarfed by the benefits that we can accrue in the long term from an economic standpoint, but also from a biological standpoint, and even from a social standpoint, because, again, we know we can catch, actually, more fish by fishing less. Well, overfishing certainly has many complications, including one we've not mentioned today, which is making fishing even more dangerous as fishermen go further out and enter more perilous situations. We really need to improve the situation for everyone. If we can get everyone around the table, that will be an achievement in itself. Dr. DeFanto, but thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, Dr. Charlotte de Fantobert from the World Bank Group, who authored that report, Sunken Billions Revisited.